Hey, what's up? It's DeHuff. It's another episode of DeHuff Uncensored. Thank you guys so much for popping on. Make sure you hit that subscribe button wherever you're listening. I do want to tell you that today's podcast is presented to you by Superbook Sports, Total Beverage in Westminster and Thornton, as well as Blake Street Tavern. Today, I get a chance to sit down with a broadcast legend. This guy's won over 30 Emmys, and he has them all displayed on his coffee table. It's really annoying. He's been in the broadcasting business, what, over 25 years, Vic? Is that what it is? Uh, God, over 30 years at this 30. point. Yeah. And he's the morning show host on Altitude 92.5 here in Denver. It's Vic Lombardi, my former co-worker back in the yeah. day. Vic, how you doing? I don't like when you say nice things about me because when I worked with you, all we did when we greeted each other was say nasty things about each other. So for you now to go back and try to make good by saying nice things, it doesn't work. So enough with the nice stuff. Get back to where we were before. Uh, I'm sitting here from across from the biggest asshole in yes. media. Yes, Nick Lombardi. Yes, I he love is it. a dick. Yep. Can 100%. I? One hundred percent. Do you remember Vic? The first time you and I interacted, it was when the swine flu happened. Mm-hmm. Do you remember the swine flu back in the day? I, I remember the swine flu. I don't remember our first interaction. I barely remember you. Thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> Again, biggest dick in Denver. <laughs> Not in a good way, people. Um, uh, <laughs> I had the swine flu, mm-hmm. and I want to say that was 2009 or something like that. Anyway, so I was bored at home. I wasn't feeling that sick, so I, I made a video, and it was a, a compilation of me being bored, and I was doing different scenes from iconic movies. And it was kind of this thing that nobody had really done here, at least in the Denver area. And it was my swine flu diaries. It's somewhere out there on YouTube somewhere. I do remember that. You do. Okay. So what was funny is I'm feeling better. Then I go to the Broncos game and I'm in the, the press box and I go to use the restroom and there's Vic Lombardi and I'm using the urinal and you're like, you come up and you're just like, hey, Duff, I saw your video. Hilarious. And I'm like, I'm trying to go pee. Mm-hmm. And you just, no boundary, Vic, just decide to go like, oh, that was great. And I'm like, yeah. I'll just shake your hand some other time. I didn't think it was that big a deal peering over your shoulder as you're at the urinal ready to shake your hand. And I, I didn't think it was a big deal at all. But uh, we had a nice conversation. And I thought it was nice of me to compliment you. I thought it was very complimentary for me to compliment you. What's the big deal? <laughs> the fact that you rested your your chin on my shoulder, it was, yeah. just, it was weird. It was a new moment for me. Isn't that what guys do? By the way, that is the most uncomfortable thing in the world because you're, you're at a urinal and at, at the ball arena, you know, there's this little bathroom where we go take our breaks. And you don't want to be a, a dick, as you say. So you want to engage in conversation with people. But you're like, in there right in there doing your business how long like how long do you have for that conversation when you're done and you zip up and you want to sort of get out and someone's still talking to you do you you stay and wait how does it work what is the protocol wow i would think that like once you're done and zipped and you turn around i got i I don't like people that talk it's funny because i remember when i worked at the fan there was this a program director for another radio station. I don't even yeah. know his name, but he would never say a word to me in the hallway. Mm-hmm. 
but he was the biggest chatty Kathy in the, the restroom. Yeah. It made yeah. no sense to me. Now, if you take it a step further, Scotty, if you're the guy or gal who chats while you're on the toilet, on the toilet, then I think you're a serial killer at that point. There's no doubt about it. I think there's been studies done where that, in fact, is true. So FYI, we're saving lives here. Yep. Marty, Scott DeHuff, you're welcome. Vic, seriously, we we worked together a long time ago when it was the fan morning show. It was you, Mike Evans, um, uh, Nate Lundy, who's right across the hall from me right now. And we had a lot of great times. And it's funny to me because part of the reason why I wanted to get you on is you're a Denver legend. You've been around here. Stop it, Scott. Fine. You're a guy that people know, kind of. Yeah. Anyway, where did you, you went to high school here in the Denver area, right? I went to Holy Family High School, which is now located north of town in Broomfield. But at the time when I was in school there, it was in the heart of North Denver on off of 44th and Tennyson. And uh, I went there. My brothers went there. My sister went there. Entire family attended Holy Family grade school, middle school and high school. So whole family of Notre Dame or a Holy Family attendees and altar boys. We're all altar boys. Same deal. It was awesome. So kind of looking at your broadcasting career, when did you think that that was the direction you wanted to go in your career? I, I was blessed in, in this regard. A lot of people, you know, they get older, they get, they go to school, they go to college, and they're not really sure what they want to do. And that's most people, I think, most people. I was blessed at a very young age growing up. I knew exactly what I wanted to do since I was 10 years old. And my parents were immigrants. They came to this country. They were not sports fans, knew nothing about sports, but I was a sports fanatic. I wanted to play every sport out there. I played football for the Rough Riders. I played basketball. I played all of them, right? So I knew I wanted to do something in sports. When I was a kid, I was watching the local television and I watched the likes of uh, Ron Zapolo, Les Shapiro, those folks who came before me. And I said, that's what I want to do. And um, I had that cemented in my brain when I was 10, 12 years old. And um, I, I was lucky enough, blessed enough, privileged enough uh, to see it out, see it through. So uh, again, most people don't know. I, I knew, and I don't know why I knew early. I just did. And it's funny because you've been in a lot of markets. What you, you were in the Phoenix market for a little bit, right? Yeah. I started in South Bend. I graduated from Notre Dame, started there. Then I worked a little bit in New York city. I had a fellowship for NBC sports there. I worked in Austin, Texas. Uh, I worked for the NBC affiliate for three years, moved on to Phoenix, CBS affiliate, and then back to Denver, and I've been here ever since. It's funny you bring up your your parents. Your dad is always a huge part of a lot of your social media videos, and they're mm-hmm. they're funny. And he's just this cool, chill, old school guy. But what's funny is, I, every is you pop up in my mind more often than than it should. And it sounds disturbing like, to say that, like, but like erotically or. <laughs> Well, yes, this is okay. Duff Uncensored. All right. uh, no, it's funny because every time I I remember watching some videos that you did where your mom was like making some food and just like how serious like Italians take their food and like just how how good they are with it. And every time I cook anything Italian, I just get this image of your mom like with a big old pot making yeah. like something. And I'm just like. 
God dang it. Thank, thankfully, she's not here because I'd be afraid that she'd be like hitting my hand with a spoon because I'm adding too much or too little of something. I guess in a way that's good because it tries to it, it tries to put me on the right path for yeah. good food. But that always pops in my head whenever I make Italian food. Well, so I, I envy you, Scott. I envy all men who have the ability to cook. Because I don't have it, and I never have. And I blame my mother for it. When we were kids, true story, we just weren't allowed in the kitchen. It's just the way it was. It was our culture. Uh, if I ventured into the kitchen to try to do something, my mom would take a spoon to me. It's just not what we did. So I never had the opportunity to really learn and do anything. I mean, the most I can do is boil water, make oatmeal. Uh, but the way my mom cooks, and she's very good at it, like most Italian mothers, it's not a one-time, like, hey, I'm going to cook dinner. Hey, I'm going to cook lunch. It's an all-day activity. It is an all day. The cooking starts the moment she wakes up. If she's doing spaghetti that day, the ingredients start coming off the table in the morning. She finishes the job at you know five o'clock for dinner. It, it's an all day thing. And it's never for one meal either. It's always for a multi-purpose meal. When she makes sauce, it's not just for that meal. It's for three or four meals down the road. And she always has this stuff ready to go. I could go to my mother's house. Literally, my brothers and I eat there every day at one o'clock. Okay, we eat there in my mom and dad's house every single day at one o'clock, unless we're doing something, I have an appointment. So I'll go there today. And no matter what the, the time of day, we always have something ready to eat. It's a matter of minutes, not hours. Wow. It's like you walk in, all right, mom, what do we got? And it's ready. And that's just the way it is. And I can't explain it. I know it's weird. I know a lot of you may think of that and say, God, how lucky. I am lucky to have that at my disposal. But it's just what we grew up with, and we love every second of it. So. Is it extremely flavorful, her food? Because me growing up, Vic, yeah. I kind of had the opposite. No offense to my mom, but I didn't learn what good food was until I was like 18, 19 years old. And, and I know. <laughs> Let's Calling out your mom on your own podcast. <laughs> I'm just Jesus. honest. Uh, it's funny because I was talking to my wife the other day. She was stumbled upon one of your videos i don't even know what one it was on social media and she pulled me aside she's like vic is funny vic is just funny and i was like it's because he just doesn't this sounds weird but you, i don't mm -hmm. feel like you take yourself way too seriously and i feel like that that's a yeah. that contributes to success for a lot of people is a lot of times people in the media especially news and, and sports is they take things way too seriously yeah. and they try to go too deep into X's and O's. Yeah. And I feel like for you, who's been in the game for that long, it's just like, were you always that way? Because I, I feel like you came in, in in an old school era. Sure. And that's not how they did shit. They did shit. Like, you, you know, it's X's and O's and there's no quote unquote personality with it. Bro, when I first got to Denver in 98, um, I would put stuff on the air television-wise that I thought was funny. I thought was humorous. I thought was off the cuff, irreverent, my style. And I remember some of the looks I got from, you know, longstanding people in the media, like, what are you doing? What are you, Blinky the Fun Clown? And, and you know, you know what, what are you doing here? This is not the way we do it. And I came to terms a long time ago. I, I was taught one thing. Be who you are. Don't try to be somebody else because that normally doesn't work. Mm -hmm. I don't take sports seriously because I don't think sports is that serious. These are games. 
and we have the benefit to profit from games. We're watching these athletes, right? And we're watching them do their, their thing. And I get it. You know, I do a radio show. You have to be critical of athletes and coaches. It's part of the job. But by God, it's not life and death. It never has been and never will be. And the one thing that bothers me more than anybody, the one person that bothers me is that person uh, in the media who really goes balls to the wall serious about this, like it's the end of the world, like, oh, my God. Those people bother me because it's like, get, I mean, get some perspective, man. When I walk away from my radio show in the morning, the, the rest of the day, that's life, you know. Maybe I got I got humbled when I got cancer three years ago, but I was humbled before that. That what we do is a privilege and a gift. It's a gift every day. All right. We get to play and talk sports. Why would you take that seriously? There are serious subjects right. where you have to talk about them seriously. But on the on the whole, it's sports, man. Calm down. I hate sports nerds who go nerd to the wall on sports topics. Can't stand it. I'll turn the channel right away. Right. And I agree. And it's funny because I'll talk to, especially now I'm in this weird position as somebody that for 18 plus years was in sports talk radio. And now that I'm, I'm in this kind of neutral area mm -hmm. and I can really listen to everybody and go, okay, yeah. And it, it really kind of jumped out at me when I first left the fan it was just like oh my god i really want to be entertained and i kind yeah. of knew that before yeah but now it's just like so blinding so what, what what you're saying now is the fan has a lot of nerds on the air you're exactly right well <laughs> i'm not not all of them are nerds no there's a significant amount and it's just it's one of those things where i and with i have the respect i'm friends with a lot of them but it's just not my style Right. And, and like you said, it's you're being true to who you are. And mm -hmm. some of these people that they can't help but be uber nerds about mm -hmm. stuff. But I think sometimes people are just they're told that's what you have to yeah. be. We don't need silliness. You know, we need the like you said, X's and O's and all that stuff. And it's just I don't know me personally, when I tune into anything, I want to be entertained. You can jump the shark on the entertainment. I totally recognize that. You can be a total buffoon and go totally that way and, and not be taken seriously. There still has to be uh, a grain of credibility there. You can, you can have credibility and be funny or, or try to be funny at the same time. But here's the way I look at it, Scott. When I talk with my friends, when I'm playing golf with friends, or I'm hanging out with my brothers today, do I talk like this with the ultimate serious tone about is this contract going to get done or not? Or do I talk like, what the hell are you doing, you piece of shit? Eat that. You know, that's how I talk. That's how I talk. This is how I act. I am who I am on the air. And people who aren't who they are on the air, I think you can see right through it. I had Scott Hastings on this podcast yeah. a month or two ago, right after the Avalanche won the, the cup. And I was talking to him, and I, I was saying something, and, and he's just like, why do you cuss so much? Like, cause that's just who I am. Mm -hmm. I mean, for so long, it was just like, I had to, in a sense, be something I wasn't, but now it's just like, that's why I did uncensored. It's like, yeah. I'm, I'm being who I am. If people don't like it, that's fine. I curse a lot too. And I wish that radio allowed cursing to be honest with you, because it's unfortunate that it's cast as some scarlet letter. Oh my God, you curse. Yeah. 
You know why I curse? My mom curses more than I do in Italian. That's all nice. right. So I grew up with cursing. It's just part of our culture. It's 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 I'm not one of those all oh, words can really hurt you. Words are words. Actions hurt. Actions hurt. All right. Words are words. And to me, a, a nice colorful curse word in there, it's a big deal. You liven up the the sentence, in my opinion. I, I don't know how people are offended by that. I, I'm not saying you have to do it all the time and go way overboard with it and really force things. But there's times where, yeah, a, a nicely placed fuck really helps <laughs> empower a sentence. So, you know, you know what I mean, right? Yeah, I, I had I had this conversation with my mom once. So going to church, my mom goes to church every day, strong Catholic and went to church with her on Easter. And we were talking about the specific priest and how. I told his mama, he, he bores me. He just, he just talks right through me. I don't, I don't, I don't get a, I don't get a message. I don't feel it. And we were joking around. And in fact, he would wake me up if he, if he looked at me once and said, Hey, asshole. Yeah. You asshole. And just cursed at me. That, I mean, that would get me into the homily. Let's go. It's funny that we, we have this stigma on, on cursing, but for the media, but we all do it. It's just, well, it's, it goes back to that fake thing. Like some of the best, some of the most notable, respectful, credible media types I've ever met. Right. Curse like sailors. Right. Like sailors. And I, I guess it, I, I'm out here to tell you, it's the biggest misnomer. It's the biggest BS that's out there. People don't talk like they do on television and like they do on radio. They try. I try and talk as closely to my real person I am without the cursing. When I go play golf or when I'm hanging out playing anything or, or just, I mean, it's just part of our lexicon and, and, and it's hard to eliminate that. I'm not saying you're doing it all the time. It depends on the audience you keep. But when you're among friends, you are who you are. Right. And that's kind of what I do with the podcast is I, I act like I'm pulled among up, friends, among friends, pulled yeah. up to a bar and just like, hey, guys, let's let's talk about this weird thing that happened. Yeah. So. Hey, now, uh, do, you, do you do this podcast because you have no friends and you're trying to collect <laughs> friends? Yes. Okay. yes. I just wanted to establish that. Just cut right through to the truth. <laughs> My God. Ah! I get Vic Lombardi, the biggest asshole. <laughs> He's live on the Huff Uncensored. Uh, <laughs> you're such an asshole. <laughs> ah, you know I love you. I know. And hey, while we're just shooting the shit, do you remember that time that you put on that baby Bjorn and strongman Brian Shaw? Oh yeah, walked around and you pretended to be taking a nap. That was yes. hilarious. That was that was one of the highlights of my career. This guy's six foot eight, four hundred twenty pounds, strongest man in the world. And I said, let me show you how strong he is. And we concocted a fake baby Bjorn where little Vic got in it. And easy why he walked around the right room doing curls with me and the baby Bjorn. I got, I still have that somewhere. I gotta find it. I gotta find that just to remind me how small a man I am and what, how large he is. And what made it so much funnier is the fact that there's a point in the video where you just like you go limp like you're a little <laughs> like I fell asleep. <laughs> like you fell asleep. Daddy's walking around like woke out. 
it was just uh, it's just funny it's like one of the best moments can i make a comment on those bjorns by the way now uh the thing the, these bjorns are used by uh, people using uh, putting pets in them oh, God. i don't like you people i just well, don't like you do you it, guys have i don't like you do you guys yeah, have, have two you know we have two dogs but if i see you on the streets in north denver and you got one of those multi-purpose rags with the baby dog in there do you, you sorry just- you want to punch them in? Then- I, I, it just, I, I don't get it. I, I, I don't, I don't understand what we're doing here. Well, yeah. And it's like, I feel bad for the dog or cat or I, not a cat. Does the, does the cat want to snuggle next to your burly, hairy chest? I mean, I, I don't get it. Oh. Whatever. I, uh, by the way, this comes in on the, the Huff Uncensored mailbag. It comes in from Chris Strawn on Twitter. He wrote top five people he wants as in you, Vic, mm-hmm. want to punch in the face. Do you have a list going? I can't be on the list. Please. I got a lot of people I want to punch in the face. Now, um, it's hard for me to make. I'd like to punch Comcast in the face because it's affecting my livelihood right now. Oh, we'll get into yeah, it. Yeah, I'd like to punch that in the face. I'd like to punch. There's some family members right now mm-hmm. that I'd like to punch in the face, and they know who they are. Um, th- there's, you know, there's people. Mark Mosier? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, Mark, but the problem with Mark is he punched back. I don't want to be punched back. I, the only fights I like to get into are the ones where I'm allowed to punch, but you're not allowed to. I, I take the punch, and you just sort of accept it. Those are my favorite kind of fights. Those are the best ones. Those are the best ones where you, you don't hit back. I just hit. In fact, when I do fight now, if people like want to, you know, I, I choose you to fight. Remember that? I go, okay, but here's the deal. <laughs> I get to throw. You cannot throw back. Are we good? Okay, let's go. Then they say yes, and you're like, really? <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> yes. <laughs> We've got more with Vic Lombardi, but first, football is back, and nobody is more excited than your friends at Superbook Sports. Superbook is bringing Vegas-style wagering to the palm of your hands, and now they're going to match 100% of your first bet up to $1,000, no matter if the bet wins or loses. You don't have to be at the stadium to enjoy football this fall. So visit Superbook.com or download the Superbook Colorado app right now and start getting in on all the action. Visit Superbook.com for terms and conditions. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. This is Chris Fusley, owner of the Blake Street Tavern. Okay, so our new quarterback has the looks, the gorgeous babe, the mansion, and the bazillion dollar contract. Yeah, well, did I mention I'm taller than he is? Just saying. This is the Blake Street Tavern, where Denver watches football. All right, let's jump right back into it. Here's Vic Lombardi and I sitting down at the Mile High Sports Studios. Okay, so you kind of brought it up. The Comcast Cronky conflict yeah. with, with the contract. Do you see that being resolved in the near future? Because I, I do want to say one thing mm-hmm. before you answer. I feel like, and I, I don't know all the inner workings of the contract. I don't know yeah. all, the, all the numbers, all the deals that have been placed in front of one person or another. All I'm saying is at this point right now, basically, let's say Cronky goes, you know what? We need to stop this shit. Yeah. And if they presented, hey, guys, whatever Comcast you want the deal to be, we'll take it. We'll bite the bullet. It's for the fans. Guess what? Cronky comes out the good guy and Comcast comes out the bad guy. Whoever comes out and just says, listen, this needs to stop. We're hurting the fans more than anything. They come out the good guy and the other 
person on the deal has that stench of being the bad guy. But in my mind, it's just like we're at the point where it seems like everything that I have heard behind the scenes is they're fighting over pennies. You know, when, when you're talking about billionaires or whatever. I, I, let, let, me, let me break that down. I don't think they're fighting over pennies. I think they're fighting over the future, the model of uh, regional sports networks and how it's going to work here three or four years down the line. I, I don't think they're fighting for what's here in the now, but what will be there in the future. So there's a lot of things to fight over now. I'm going to make this as easy to understand as possible. Thank you. I think in five to 10 years, when we look back on this dispute, all right, when, when books are written, I think my approach to this and why I consider Comcast the, the heavy and all this, I think my approach will be vindicated. I really do. Now, people may look at me and say, oh, you're being a company man. You're damn right I'm being a company man. You're damn right I am. You know, you should be more concerned. You would be. You would know how I feel if I kept my mouth shut, because then you would know who's at fault here. But I'm pretty damn vocal about it, aren't I? I'm pretty vocal about it, and I'm and I'm defending my company pretty loyally, because I believe in the message we are sending, and I believe in our side of the negotiations, and I believe that our offer. You said, why doesn't Crocky come down on on its offer? Well, the most recent offer is simple. We'll take exactly what you're paying, the Rockies channel. And we've got two teams, two sports. They have one. We'll take that same fee. They said no. They said go pound sand. We're not even interested in that. What more do you want? Have you looked at your Comcast bill? Have you seen that you paid six seventy five a month for the last uh, what three years since we went off the air? Six seventy five a month. Where does that money go? For what? For one channel, AT and T. So they're telling you you used to pay eight dollars a month. By the way, Scott, if you have Comcast, yeah. mm-hmm. so they're telling you that Altitude's worth a buck twenty five, while the Rockies channel is worth six seventy five. In what world does that math sound right to you? In what world? It doesn't sound right. The difference between Comcast and us is we have people like myself of, who are willing to talk and engage with the fans, and we'll come off taking arrows, and that's fine. I'm good with that. I don't care. Comcast doesn't care. They don't talk. They'll, they're good. They're happy to take to be the bad guy. You said who comes out the bad guy? Do you think Comcast cares if they come out the bad no. guy? You still no. need their services, right? You still need to go to them for internet, for cable. Guess what? Because they're a monopoly in this town. That's why. So bad guy, that doesn't matter. At the end of the day, it doesn't matter. What matters is what's right, what's fair, what's fair. I've always been about fairness. What's fair? Well, the latest deal on the table is more than fair. And they said no. Yeah, that's a great company line that you just spewed out there. Thank you. Think what you want. (laughs) <laughs> no, I mean, seriously, think what you want. And I respect that. I respect that people would assume that. But if I were silent about it, it would speak more volumes than me being vocal about it. I agree with that. But I think you could probably look at this from an outsider's perspective and go, OK, but it's I think the the common theme for people not involved is just like it's just like, eh. Just a bunch of billionaires. Yeah, but see, I don't that, – that whole thing, oh, it's billionaires. You know, oh, they make so much money. Why do you think they're billionaires? You think they're billionaires because they're, they're – they're, they're Right. They give out money? Exactly. But I'm just telling you what the outside perspective sure. is. That's yeah. what it looks like. Don't be a dick to me. <sighs> I, see, I, I guess that's all in media. You know, at, at the end of the day, people who get upset and they blame capitalism. Oh, billionaires, capitalists. Th- th- this isn't run by a charity. Well, this see, is a business to make money. 
I think that we all forget that whatever the industry that you're complaining yeah. about or nitpicking about, whether it's yeah. a restaurant increasing prices, it's like, guys, at the end of the day, it's a business and it has to be profitable. That's the way it works. Whatever the business is, doesn't matter. Grocery stores, restaurants, uh, cable networks. At the end of the day, they need to be profitable and be able to pay their employees and put out a great product. So, and, it, and it doesn't matter what arm of the business people say, well, you know, they make money in the nuggets and the ads. No, it doesn't matter. That's a different business. That, that's a different branch. We are our own branch. And if we don't make money in our branch, guess what? It's not going to work. How do you think they pay my exorbitant salary, Scott? We need that money. Don't know, Vic. You make a lot of money. Make a lot of money. Hey, by the way, uh, speaking of making a lot of money, Russell Wilson gets a new contract today. Uh, let's see, reaching an agreement on a five-year, $245 million contract extension with $165 million guaranteed. What are your thoughts on that and how that impacts the Denver Broncos and Broncos country? I thought it was only a matter of time before he got it. I thought the guaranteed money was actually less than I expected it to be. I think it's a great deal for the Broncos. You've got a franchise quarterback. If you look at the nuances of the contract, it's not really a seven-year extension. It's more like four or five uh, there's going to be money more up front than at the end of the deal. So I think it's a great contract. It's a great deal. Now you have a chance, and that's all you can ask for. For the last five years, the Broncos didn't have that player to give them a chance, right? Now they do. Why wouldn't you pay him this kind of money? For those who say, oh, what a gamble. You know, he hasn't proven much of late. He's proven quite enough. He's been to two Super Bowls. He won one of them. I'll take him right now. The end. Well, yeah, and you got guys, people are just wanting to complain just to complain because what have we had here in Broncos country between Peyton Manning and Russell Wilson? We've had jack shit. So, yeah. come on. He's a leader. That's a huge factor. And guys, guess what? He's a great player. Yeah. I, why are you complaining? Now, the only thing that I guess you could kind of look at is when you start paying people a lot of money is that you know, when you have a you have a cap mm -hmm. and he, one player, one entity is taking up a huge amount of that. Sure. Eventually that that affects everything below that trickles down in and affects your budget for other players. But, you know, they tried it the other way. They, they tried to put the players in there. that didn't have that exorbitant cap hit and they couldn't win. So sometimes this is the only way. Bottom line is this. When you're making that kind of money, franchise money, OK. Is it fair to say Russell Wilson will be subject now to a lot of criticism, sometimes over-the-top criticism? Yeah, that comes with the territory. That's what you get when you're getting paid that kind of money. But he's used to it, and that's what he signed up for. Let's ride. <laughs> Let's ride. Do you like that? Let's ride. Sort of cheesy, but I don't care. It's funny now. You know, yeah. I, I love when things cross the line from cheese to funny because he sort of accepted it that, it was such a cheesy line. Everybody's doing it that it's turned funny. So I love that. I love when they turn cheese into fun. And it was funny because, like, uh, I want to say the Seattle media and Seattle fans. By the way, Seattle is really bent on the fact that uh, Russell left and they basically they broke up. Well, yeah. Subconsciously, when you lost the, your girlfriend to some other dude, I didn't like her anyway. Yeah. You won't like her either. Yeah, you did. Yeah, but if all of a sudden something happened and the contract fell through and Russell goes back, so, you know, some weird uh, multiverse of madness situation happens, they'd be like, oh, thank God we don't have Geno Smith and Drew Locke battling it out. Which, by the way, didn't Geno win the gig over he Drew did. Locke? Guys, he did. 
man, that feels so disgusting when you yeah. think about that. And like that was there were so many people that put all their chips in on Drew Locke. Mm-hmm. And it's just it makes you just feel gross inside. And you're like, God, that's what that's what we were excited for. We were See, putting hell, hope into that. I was actually pulling for Drew Locke. I'm you know, I I'm I guess different. I, I, I like the guy. I like the kid. I now can he read a defense? Obviously not enough, but I like him and I hope he finds his way back into the starting rotation and, and proves us all wrong. So uh go Drew, but don't go on September twelfth. Yeah, and that's fine. I, I don't want to wish people to fail. Mm-hmm. But sounds it's... like you are. So it sounds like <laughs> it sounds like Scott DeHuff is the kind of guy that wants not only people to fail, mm. to go bankrupt, yeah, to lose family members, lose their way, maybe get caught up in in the drug running business, become a mule crossing the border. It sounds like that's what you aspire people to do. It, it is. I, uh, that's my dream for everyone. <laughs> become that they become a drug. <laughs> That'd be a hell of a story. Drew Locke goes from starting quarterback to drug mule for the Mexican cartel. That'd be awesome. Can be I a great movie? You you can go off on some weird, just <laughs> creative ta- uh, tangents. You did a thing one year where you asked a question. What was it? it I want to say it was like a two-minute question, something oh, like yeah. that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know, that that was born from my boredom at, at Broncos training camp. I've covered now 33 NFL training camps, 33. of them. There comes a time when you go out there and you're like, I, I can't. I can't ask the same. I can't do this. It's it's just too too much. I can't ask the same thing. I'm I'm done with this. So about five years ago, I said I'm going to come up with something completely stupid, and I found a suspecting player, and I said I'm going to break the world record for the longest question ever asked an athlete, and it was um, uh, who was he? It was the defensive back on the Super Bowl championship team, the safety whose name right now is escaping me because I'm really old. And I'm really dumb and the name will come to me. But I asked him this question and he's such a nice guy. I was actually friendly with him. I knew him. And I started this question. Do you know how hard it is to ask Scott uninterrupted a one minute and 14 second long question uninterrupted with all the other media around you in, in one of those scrum formations. And I just kept going, man. It was the hardest thing I've ever done, but it broke the world record. I got to a minute 14. It's not official, though, right? You need to get, like, Guinness on that. Oh, yeah, it's official. I mean, Guinness won't acknowledge it. Guinness won't acknowledge it. But then again, it's probably broken every day. If you ever listen to Mark Moser ask a question, it's usually three minutes. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> or Sandy? Un- unintentional. Yeah, Sa- oh, Sandy. Man. You know, Sandy. Sandy's the smartest man in sports, in the history of sports radio. Smartest yes. man. And I wish I had one one-hundredth of Sandy's intelligence. Mm-hmm. One one-hundredth. But... Trying to host a show with Sandy as I did before, sometimes you'd sit there mute for 35 minutes and forget where you were and then try to chime in. When I used to produce his show, when he was on, I want to say like nine to noon or something like that, he would bring me on and he would ask me a question and I would go to answer the question. And he'd answer it for you. you know, yeah. And I'm like, yeah. and then eventually I was like, again, kind of like what you were, we were talking about earlier is just, just be you. And me being me, I was just like, Sandy, could you shut up? You just yeah. asked me a question. Yes, yes. I can't answer it. And he would just burst into laughter, which one of the things that I tried to tell people is as 
intellectual that Sandy is, a very cerebral individual, he has a lot of fun if you know how to play with him. He does. He does. And and that's the other side of some of these folks that you listen to on a daily basis. You know, I grew up listening to Sandy, so I've got a different perspective. He taught me so much about sports. There are so many people I revere and respect. And just because we have fun and games on podcasts like this and Twitter and we take jabs at each other, at the end of the day, it's all about respect, man. I respect every single one of those guys who came before me because I learned a little something from each and every one of them. Right. And there's there's a lot of great talent here in Colorado. We're very spoiled, especially when you go travel. Up <laughs> the fell over. Do you believe in ghosts? Oh, Jesus, dude. Did I you fart? No, no. Maybe. I'm in a hot box. I hope I didn't. Uh, for people not watching on the video, uh, I just got attacked by, by a uh, sign. Who by, was it? Who's on that cover? I want to see who's on that cover. Who attacked you? Because you need to tweet that out. I was attacked Russell. by Russell Wilson. <laughs> I see you, Russell. I see you. Jeez, get a new contract. You started attacking people. Uh, that's good. Uh, wow. I don't even know where I was at. But, hey, by the way, a lot of people are asking on Twitter, because yeah. I told them you were coming on, like Geo Bricky on Twitter wrote, how much of this Russell Wilson deal is due to George Payton and how much is the new owners? I think it's George Payton primarily because he's the one who brought him here. He he brought him here with the understanding he was going to get extended. Otherwise, he wouldn't make the move. You don't trade all the assets the Broncos traded unless you were certain that you find a long-term arrangement with Russell Wilson. So George Payton approached the new ownership and said, hey, guys, it's Russell Wilson. End of story. And then they figured it out from there. Okay, kind of rewinding a little bit before I was attacked. Um, sure. you, we were talking about how you have this gift of just ad-libbing and going crazy. Could we do an ad-lib together? Yeah. And I'll see if I can, I'll see if I can hang along with you, but I don't want you to be like, I'm going to talk for three minutes. And no, that's fine. Just something crazy. Let's see if we can go down. I play this game with my kids. I'll give yeah. you three things and you have to work it into a story. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Let's see. Uh, pepperoni pizza. Okay. Mm -hmm. You're mm -hmm. Italian. <laughs> Classic. Uh, let's see. A football and a dirt clot. A dirt clot. Yeah. Okay. I could see the likes of Scotty DeHuff, who fashions himself as this grade A chef. He worked at like Olive Garden or one of those fake Italian restaurants for years. Quiznos. I, Quiznos. I could see him trying to concoct this new pizza that's football shaped. He makes a football pizza with a dirt clod in the middle of it, surrounded by pepperonis. And I could see him sit on his rocking chair at home, just licking this greasy pepperoni. Something about pepperoni bothers me, by the way. Like real pepperoni, it's not these salami look things. It's actual meat, real pepper. And it's always got the grease hanging off it. I could see you just suck it on that grease with a football pizza on your chest. That is the Scott DeHuff I know. Is that offensive? What, that I would eat greasy food? That's no, no, just the way I, I posed that. <laughs> no, dude, I'm like the least offended person I know. Oh, okay. All right. I just want to make sure God. you weren't offended by it. Speaking of that, I'm all over the place on this. It's I, okay. So am I. My mind's all over the place. So I guess in a sense, you're kind of in comedy in a weird way because you're in entertainment business. So one of the things that like me, I'll talk about any conversation, wh whatever it may be. But there's times where I make jokes and some people are offended. 
how has that happened to you at all where you're you're trying to be funny and people mm -hmm. just like it doesn't have to be about a serious conversation yeah. but there's times where you know you say something and people are like oh, it's a little too offensive all, all the time all the time i mean it's just it's the culture we live in now it's it's and you have to have a thick skin about it that you know if people aren't on the same page they're just not on the same page oh well i mean i don't know how comics do it i really don't i mean I was watching, God, who was that? Was it Bill Burr? Is that his name? Yeah. I was watching something on Netflix and I'm looking at his act and I'm like, I wonder what it's like for him in the email department after his one of his acts. I wonder what, what these guys go through. Because if you listen to an act, if you went back to the early years and um, the George Carlin days, man, the, I mean, I don't know the Sam, Sam, what was his name? Kinison? Yes. Yeah. Yep. I don't know if those guys would even be able to do their acts today. It's just a different world out there. Comedy is supposed to take you away from reality. It's supposed to be funny because you don't believe what you're saying. I think a lot of what I do on our morning show, as a matter of fact, so I come across, as you all know, as this dick. I do it because it's funny because I know it burns people. Because I know, you know, we like going after Mosher. I love it. It's part of our show. Is it dickish? Yes. Does my mom hate it? Yes. But it's just part of our makeup. It's part of our show. When you're off the show, it's fun and games. Mosher's a dear friend of mine. We're very close. We share only, we share so many moments. No, we share a lot of things together. So it's not real. It's just part of our, our, our deal, our shtick, you know? You say things to a friend that are supposed to be funny, but you don't really mean it. Mm -hmm. I mean, how many times did I put you down when we worked together? I mean, you know I didn't mean it. Every I'm, day. Yes. Every goddamn day. Every day. I have a journal. You did the same thing to me, and I expect it. Real quick, is there's a lot of people just take life too seriously. And really, to be honest, I've said this multiple times on my podcast, life's too serious. That's kind of what comedy does is it takes things that are serious and tries to shine a light of humor. It, dif it diffuses real life is what it does. It diffuses a lot of those hot-button topics you speak of. And I, I agree with you. I wouldn't want to be a stand-up comic today. I think it's too hard. I tweeted something the other day, and, and I remember some of the reaction I got. I was like, wow, I didn't think that was that big a deal. But you get reaction about everything. So I tweeted about, oh, yeah, it was a guy on an electric bike holding up traffic all happy on Tennyson Street. <laughs> and, and, and people are like, oh, Oh, busting on the electric bikers, huh? You're all about gas power. Like, what are you talking about? It was just a, it was a funny scene that I noticed. Calm down, freaks. Last year, I got cut off and yelled at by a cyclist who broke some laws, which I found out via a, a, a police officer that listens to the podcast. He cut me off, flipped me off, started yelling at me. So I did a like a, a tongue-in-cheek rant on Twitter and I tell you what, the cycling community came after me in the biggest way. And I'm like, you guys realize I was joking, right? Yeah. I'm what? glad you brought that up, though. I'm a cyclist. All right. So I wear this, the spandex just because mm -hmm. I like it nice and tight. I wear that spandex and I go up that mountain. Okay. I do it. But I, as a cyclist, hate the cycling community. I'm one of them. I hate them, me included. I hate the fact that they think that they can go in the center of the road. Those people that go in the center of the road, like, yeah, I'm turning left here. I'm a car. No, you're not. You're not a car. You're, you're on a bike and you could die. So right. move over and respect the fact that you're not a one ton car. I don't know what you're doing. 
dude, Vic, the guy that did that to me, he cut me off and he came from the sidewalk and all of a sudden I'm going, I have green. And all of a sudden he just whips in front of me. I honk my horn. He turns around and gives me the bird. I'm like, dude, I don't want to kill you. Yeah. And he thinks he's in the right. I'm like, you came out of nowhere and you just cut across traffic. If the, if he was a vehicle, I'd be doing the same thing. It's like, you guys, you can't, you don't own the road. Now, that being said, as many bad cyclists there are out there, I'm sure there's even more bad. Yeah, I was going to say, there's a lot of jerk off drivers who simply don't like the looks of me and my spandex. And so they're going to flip me off automatically. It makes sense. Look at Vic in his spandex. Come on. We got to run him off the road right now. So I get that. You could be pulled over on the shoulder and people would be like, that is gross. I don't need to see this. And yeah, it causes issues. You know, the funniest thing about biking and cycling. So I live near Lookout Mountain and I do that track a lot. So Lookout Mountain for a cyclist is hard and it's dangerous because you come down the mountain sometimes 40, 50 miles an hour and you're out of control. You also know that Lookout Mountain a two-lane road with twists and turns is also the home to the Jefferson County Driving Academy. They have driving students that go up and down that road all the time. So I'm thinking to myself, that's how little they must think of cyclists. They're taking 15-year-olds who've never operated a vehicle and said, go get them, run a few down. It's fine. (laughs) Jesus Christ, that's awful. Yeah, that's so awful. Oh, Vic, thank you for coming on. I really appreciate it. Again, you're on 92.5, Altitude 92.5 mornings. Yeah. Uh, you you pop on. The show runs from, what, 6 to 10? Is that what it is? Yeah, and I do 7 to 10. Uh, uh, Brett Kane does the first hour, and then I come on from 7 to 10 with Mosier. Yeah. Sort of like we did at the fan. Remember when we had, like, three separate shows within one? We always yeah. had people. And I know you hated that. You're like, yeah, well, that's just the way it is, my friend. Not everybody can do the entire show. No, well, of course, you, you know, you would think you'd be better, but you're not. <laughs> uh, it's hard when you have two jobs. I know you're on Altitude TV. You're always doing. You, by the way, you guys do a great job. I love watching you, Hastings, Mosher. Wait, never mind. I can't watch you guys. Yeah. Oh, that's right. You have Comcast. <laughs> I have Comcast. You dicks. Uh, <laughs> thank you. By the way, I'm almost at episode 200. Do you know that? You've done 200 of these. I'm just about. Just about. I'm at like 193, I think it is today. Well, I, I, can I say to those listening, I'm going to end the interview with this. I am immensely proud of you. I've always thought you've been gifted and talented uh, beyond just producing capabilities. You know that when I got there, I said, we need more to huff in the show. I know I'll tell people what you won't say. But when he was at the fan, he had some management types that told him not to say anything, not to talk, not to participate, let the hosts do their thing. And I always poo-pooed then. I said, you guys are all idiots because he's funny. Allow him to entertain. Allow him to be part of the show. So I'm glad that you got off on your own and you are, a, you know, you have the ability to entertain and be you. Um, I, I think that's so short-sighted when they try to tell producers, hey, don't talk. Let them talk. Now, if it's not funny, then the host will tell them not to talk. But it's not your job telling them not to talk. That's stupid. Just think, if, if I followed directions, there would be no cowboy to huff. Yes. There'd be no Connery to huff. Like, how's your mother? That's exactly. right. I banged her last night. Just funny every time. Every time. Yes. Funny I, every time. I do have an old audio bit of you and I doing an Aussie Viagra commercial somewhere. Really? <laughs> You're like, was it, was it fake? No, yeah, it was you and I. You did it. You had me do it live. And oh. Hey, the huff, do it. I don't know what it was. Be like, that's. 
because we thought there was like a Viagra commercial with this lady that we were debating. Is she Australian or is she? Oh, I see. And then you're like, no, DeHuff knows what Aussie sounds like. Be like, this is what it would sound like. And I'm oh. like, hey, guys, it's Aussie. <laughs> if you're having trouble getting an erection, do some Viagra. And then you walk hard. <laughs> I love your face when you do your voices, by the way. Your face goes to whatever voice you're going at. I know. What a gift. It's so dumb. I'm dumb. Hey, you know who's not dumb is Vic Lombardi. Vic, thank you so much for popping on the show. You can follow him on Twitter at Vic Lombardi. He has, you have an, a lot of great content on there. Are you on TikTok? I, I do some TikTok. Not enough, though. I If I find a video I like, I'll put on TikTok. I often forget to do that, but yeah. Just just search Vic Lombardi on any social platform, Grinder, whatever it might be. Uh, uh, and and you, should be, you should be good to go. It's Vic Lombardi. Thank you guys so much for listening. Make sure you hit that subscribe button. Share it with your friends. Also, I want to say thanks to Superbook Sports, Blake Street Tavern, and, of course, Total Beverage in Westminster and in Thornton. It's to Huff Uncensored. Let's keep moving forward. I'll talk to you next time.